call unto thee, O Lord, and send down my life to guide us, for we are weak and afraid, and we lack knowledge. There is no one to hear your plea, no one to answer you, no one to ease your suffering. Lord, have mercy upon us. Hey, hey, welcome to the NY Patriot Show. Here we delve deep into the abyss, covering topics such as occultism, spirituality, secret societies, conspiracies, and the unknown. Join us in trying to put these pieces together and figuring all this shit out. The NY Patriot Show. everyone to the NY Patriot Show. Uh, today, I again am uh, I'm doing it with my, I guess, part-time co-host, Teresa. I got the, uh, oh God, what was I calling it before? Not, uh, I got the Uncle Festa look going today oh. with my co-host, <laughs> with my co-host, <laughs> Teresa. And uh, I, I'm very happy to have back, uh, you know, this I've had him on twice already. This will most likely be a four-part series. I know that's a little bit long, but I do think this series has a lot, a lot of information in it. It took this man a lot of time and hundreds of papers of writing, you know, and I appreciate the fact that he is coming on and spending the time to cover it. But I do think this is, um, it's a very important topic. And I do think it will tie into, believe it or not, when this comes out later down the road, it will point more stuff towards what we were actually covering on Skinwalker Ranch. I even told the guy if I wanted to be a dick, I would hold on to his research and add it into my own series and put his shit out later. But I can't be an asshole like that. But he really is. I do think this is some important stuff. When we get to the end of it, you will see a lot of... Uh, a lot of ties to some weird shit that's going on. A lot of on. echoes in time. Yes, the spider web is fucking gigantic. Yes. Put it that way. <laughs> and uh, Rob and Rob Marks over here, I think, is pointing out a very important link in the spider web, in my opinion, honestly. So enough about guessing him up and talking about blah, blah, blah. Uh, here is Robbie Mar Rob Marks. Uh, we're going to be doing uh, Nimrod, the first Skinwalker part three. And uh, again, thank you so much for coming on and spending the time and showing yeah, you the, showing sure, us man. the research that you've done. You know, um, so and if you, you want to plug any of your stuff, sorry to interrupt you, just let everybody know uh, anything that you want to plug, any links, any, anything you want to talk about your book again, whatever. Just let people yeah, know. Yeah, I'm R Marks Art on Etsy. Um, MarksMarks.com is my website. Um, I'm, I'm on Instagram. You'll have all my links in the notes. Um, so basically last time, um, the last two shows, we got into – where this this necromantic garment came from as far as this the skin or pelt of the first uh earthly man being adam right and um we we can kind of see how that carried through in regard to being placed in the cave of treasures and then noah who was finally pure enough after <laughs> that uh supernal eden in the mountain had fallen um noah went in and got the skin of Adam and transported it on the ark into the new world. You know what I want to ask you real quick, and I, I just hate to I hate to interrupt. Yeah. And this is a thing that I have come across. Um, 
going through the whole thing with Skinwalker Ranch and the Mormons. Um, just like a difference of opinion, just trying to uh, look up this stuff. Now, do you think, mm -hmm. in your opinion, is this now Adam's actual skin, or do you think it's the loins yeah. that he wore when all of a sudden, like, oh, I got to put right. clothes on? Does this right. well, his actual skin? Uh, because I've seen differences of opinions, and yeah, I would not yeah. be surprised if it's act his actual skin. I'm just going to put it that way. Please. And now when we get into which will, you know, on this, this today, we're going to cover Samaria and Acadia and kind of uh, the, the death and resurrection of Nimrod, Nin, Tammuzi. Um, but basically when we get into the foundation of the 12 tribes of Israel, um, there's a point at which, um, where they're handing down the Abrahamic blessing to Jacob, yeah. where um, Isaac uh, smells, uh, no, it's, it's Abraham smells the skin and, and talks about the fact that he can smell um, the heavenly realm, implying that the skin wow. actually is atoms that had come yeah. down yeah. from the, you know, the wow. Department. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. I was just wondering on your opinion, cause I know you've definitely mm. looked into this more so, and, and I've seen there's also, yeah, there's also when Orion, um, uh, gets of the lion skin, which Orion, um, when he was cast into the heavens, he was the great hunter, which, you know, the, the shaft of the pyramid points at, mm -hmm. um, but he's also that great hunter title is Orion, is Nimrod, is, you know, there's a line of, of the same character that's associated with that constellation, and it's all based on, on Nimrod. So, but Orion, he goes to Zeus in a grove, and basically Zeus gives him the lion skin, and then he goes on his journey into the underworld and, and does his deeds, which are associated with the 12 labors of Hercules. I was just going to ask, is it related to Hercules? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so <laughs> there, you know, sometimes I wonder if it's, uh, there is the actual skin of Adam versus this, uh, this uh, ritual remnant garment that, because like, you know, one of the things we're going to get into is a lot of these priesthoods um, of the mystery schools coming out of Chaldea and coming out of, uh, of Egypt into Samaria, um, they all wear the leopard skin. Mm, mm -hmm. So, wow. and that's again associated with a big cat or, you know, uh, some sort of a feline kind of energy, um, much like the lion skin that Zeus gave to Orion. Um, but the, when, when you get into the leopard skin, um, it's, uh, a lot of people, because of the spots on it, they associate it with either the shimmer of the light of Venus or they associate it with the stars in the heavens themselves, some even to the Pallades being the seven sisters, the keys of the mysteries. Um, <coughs> oh, it looks like we might have lost you for a second there, Rob. Uh-oh. Yeah. Looks and like, like unfreeze. Yeah, right? <laughs> Fuck. Shoot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's kind of stuck in a funny position, too. <laughs> it's <laughs> funny. That's the worst. When you get, get frozen and it's like the most unflattering. That one's actually not that bad. <laughs> no, it's happened to me at a really bad point. I remember people were actually, uh, I think, making jokes and taking screenshots of how 
I was kind of uh, frozen in an unflattering position. Right. Uh, <laughs> fuck, I don't know. I guess we will uh, just hope that neither he uh, unfreezes or he comes back. I'm so sorry about the technical difficulties. Yeah. Uh, we'll probably have to edit this out of the uh, podcast once it is dropped, but <laughs> it's Son on the live. Overbrook. <laughs> Son of Overbrook says he likes your shaved head. <laughs> Yo, In thank the chat. You. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Son of Overbrook. Yeah. You know what? I was like, fuck the fucking hat, man. I'm just fucking going bald today. <laughs> you know? Just be yourself. Yo. Yep, yep. That's it. <laughs> well, yeah, so. Uh, so, yeah. So, Robbie uh, disconnected. Hopefully, he will be jumping back in. Um, you know, I, I will mention a couple of things, and I, I guess this might be... I mean, I hate to say it's a little bit too early to be talking about a lot of it because it does tie into the Skinwalker, but, I mean... Uh, he, I mean, he's, he's tying into, uh, I think a lot of this stuff will tie into kind of shit that we wanted to get more into with the Skinwalker Ranch series. It was just stuff that, uh, it was just going to drag out the, drag out the series way too long, but I mean. Yeah, it's like an offshoot. Right? Oh, yeah, it's like, well, you know, it's like, you know, we're no longer Skinwalker Ranch, now we're just talking about Mormons, Nimrod, and Adam's yeah. skin, and fucking all sorts totally. of crazy shit, but, uh. You know, like he was saying before, like when he said uh, Noah, I mean, a lot of, um, like, kind of, how do I put it? Like, in when it comes to, uh, like, the Mormons, a lot of their stuff is very much, like, kind of, like, ripping off, ripping off or having their own versions of, like, the Bible, and, like, they have their own versions yeah. of, like, fucking Noah, so. Yeah, uh, that, um, the Noah story that you sent me with from the book of Mormon, I was like, Whoa, that is, it's very different. It's very different. And it makes way less like, I mean, the Noah story could be a myth. It could be factual. Oh, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. who really knows, yeah. but the one in the Bible, at least it gives even like the dimensions of the ark, how big, like very specific. Whereas like the one in the book of Mormon, was like didn't make sense like even just well, from a basic logical perspective it was way more mythical i felt yeah than, uh, well, the biblical version you're right i i think in yes you're right inside the, the the one thing i did notice that lux did point out is that it is kind of almost the same thing with the character frequently asking god about the the boats or ark or whatever you want to call it but like the bible was much more of like you know definitely technical of like you know how More to precise. do it. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. thing with, uh, the one thing I do find interesting, though, is that if you do, if you do look around, because I started, I was like, oh, this fucking boat shit. I just started looking it up on, on YouTube. Mm -hmm. There are some Mormons that have taken, I guess, whatever basic idea that is given in their book. The whole thing with like a hole in the bottom and a hole in the top and like it sounds like it shouldn't work. People have redone that in their sink to show like, yo, it does actually work. It sounds crazy. Oh, wow. But, but the thing is, though, is that it is very much, I think, more mythical when he starts to go with the whole stones and like, you know, I took one stone, broke it into 16, had yeah. God touched them and now they're fucking light bulbs. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that starts getting very mythical. I think that part is... Totally. Very, yeah. And, yeah. And if anything, it's, it's probably no, sorry, more occult. It's probably trying to tell you more of an occult story than actually being like... Yeah, it's more symbolic than anything else. Mm -hmm. um, there's even a place, I forget where, it's in, in the States there, where you guys are, um, that's like called the Ark Encounter or something. And it's like an exhibit that they like replicated the Ark and like built a model of it 
and it's all like set up like a museum basically i might be in kentucky i don't know a girl i know just went like a few months ago and i saw her um her stories about it on like instagram (laughs) i was like oh shit that's cool Mm, nice yeah so uh, mm-hmm. Rob should be back on soon. He did. Uh, he said he lost power, and I uh, sent oh, okay. him a link. And uh, yeah, he should be back. He said he was rebooting. I think he said he's lost power a couple of times today, actually. Oh, like power, power? Yeah, like the power actually went out in his place. So. Oh dang! Whereabouts does he live? You know what? I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I know he's told me because we've spoken about it. You know, That's I feel funny. so bad. And like this, this will be like, you know, I guess uh, behind, be, you know, be, behind the scenes with podcasting, you know, you start to, uh, you start to talk to a lot of people. Yeah. You, you get a lot of guests on where and people tell you, like, I sure. always have to worry about like, all right, what time zone are you in? What, mm. you know, you know, just to, of course, I get so confused and I feel bad that like, I mean, people can even tell you guests that I've had on. I've probably I'll ask them like three fucking days in a row the same question because it's like I didn't set a date with you yet. I spoke to somebody else and now I'm confused yeah. and forgot. And it's like either I sure. have to scroll up and look too far in through the conversation or I've already erased it by accident. And it's just like yeah. I start getting confused. Who's from where? What time zone they're <laughs> in? And, you know? Totally. It gets yeah. complex yeah. for sure. Too many people to talk to, right? Yes, especially uh, for real. And like, I mean, I'll, I'll even be honest with you. Like the last, you know, I totally feel like shit. Yesterday I was supposed to go live with Chaz. Totally fucked up. Totally fucked up. Forgot to Uh-oh. write it down. I felt like a complete asshole. I never do that. And I feel shit. like a fucking total dick, you know. And a, a total apology if Chaz, you happen to come across this. I am so sorry. I fucked up. Yesterday, I was supposed to go live with him and Lee, and somehow even Lee fucking forgot. I don't know how he forgot. He's, oh, wow. he's really good with that shit. He's very, yeah, very good he with didn't, it. He didn't remind you. Yeah, like, exactly. Normally, he would hey. be like, yo, you ready, mate? We're about to do <laughs> yeah. this. And he, even he forgot. We were supposed gotcha. to have him on yesterday, and honestly, I think, not that I'm choking it up to the whole back surgery, but honestly, the last two weeks with the back yeah. surgery and me taking, honestly, I mean, I, I took painkillers as prescribed because of the issue, but I mean, even that had me a little fucking loopy, you of know, course. so like I was yeah. making, I think I was making, I was making podcast uh, dates with people and not writing them <laughs> down and, and fucking you're forgetting. Like, yep, no problem. And, and I'm like, I'm like, Chaz yeah. of all people I dicked over, like fucking Chaz, like everybody loves Chaz. Like he's like a cool fucking dude that sits there, smokes joints and talks about the paranormal. Like I fucked, oh, I fucked That's him fun. over by accident out of all fucking people. Like I felt like an asshole. I really did. <laughs> Well, you know, at least at least you know. That's yeah. Fine. <laughs> okay. Well, I think I think Lee got in touch with them and explained to him the situation, oh, good, okay. and hopefully we're gonna have him on. So, uh, sorry again, Chaz. Uh, this is a, uh, a you know, I'm coming out in the open and saying I fucked up, and I'm sorry. <laughs> My apologies. <laughs> and Rob's back. Yes, Amazing. and Rob's back. Thank you, Rob. Sorry mm-hmm. about that, and uh, we got you back on. So of all the times the internet, I mean, dude, the power went out like three times. Oh, there's a supernal triad. Yeah, so they're <laughs> um, trying to tell you to shut up, Rob. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> hey, it wouldn't be the first time. Uh, <laughs> um, so we were talking about the uh, leopard and the leopard skin, um, as far as it being representative of uh, this idea of the shimmering light. Um, and the leopard, let's see. Um, <laughs> So Nimrod was actually the first to use the leopard um, as the um, hunter in the chase as part of the great 
as the title of the great hunter. See, now I'm all off. Cause, Sorry. Cause I was into it before. What we were talking about before was essentially the idea that, um, uh, this skin had been handed down from the line of Noah to Ham, who went into Egypt, who's where we get the term chem or chemistry or alchemy from. And then mm. Ham's son was Cush, right? And then Cush um, was the father of Nimrod. You ever right? think like, they took the, the word Cush for weed and got it? Yeah, man. Well, there was the <laughs> I wondered that. Kush. I'm like, as cheesy as that sounds, is that where Cush came from? <laughs> I thought the same thing before. I hate to say yeah, it. It was the Garden of Cush and the Garden <laughs> of Eden. Um, and then the land of Cush was actually the land of Ethiopia, you know, which was the first, the first country that, uh, that, uh, Thoth being Ham essentially ruled over. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, so Thoth and Ham have a connection, you think? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, big time man. I gotta, I gotta look into that. Um, I I really actually tell you the truth. I've never really heard of Ham much. Until recently, yeah. until getting into because he's a name that's passed down throughout the Mormons about how yeah. the how the skin got passed down. I think Ham had it at one point. They said Ham had it, and then to Cush, and then to and and um, Nimrod had the skin right, and it was after the um, fall of the Tower of Babel, who who uh, Cush was building, um, and and essentially um, it was at the age of twenty two. The, the number of the master builder that Nimrod actually took this skin and began to wear it. Oh, see, that's interesting because I had read mm. in his twenties and then I came across something else that showed like 22 being a important number. And I was like, mm. I always yeah. started thinking, I wonder if it was 22 and then like not to shit on him, but then that made me think of X 22 and I was mm. like, more bullshit. The whole, uh, symbolic build of 11 being the idea 22 being the action and 33 being the completion oh. of the cycle uh, okay. okay so it's but, this, sorry rob was kush was building the tower of babel or nimrod well so that's the thing um nice they were both that. nimrod right is which is where it gets confusing because like the artist mc escher there was actually two mc eschers the father and the son and a lot of people don't distinguish between them Right. So okay. there was Nimrod the Elder, who was Thoth, essentially, right? Okay. Um, Hermes, Mercury. Um, and then there was Nimrod the Younger, who was the young Nin Tammuz, Demuzi um, of Sumeria. And basically, when the first Nimrod went down with the building of the Tower of Babel, uh-huh. right? Um, then the second Nimrod basically took his place and, and was the resurrected. Nimrod and he became the Nimrod the greater the great hunter um, which is where and they would call him uh, as the great hunter they would call him the hero which is where we get the the term hero right yeah Um, Uh but also that row that's in hero is what became the row of the royalty handed down into the French royal system so would that make nimrod the younger half mortal half like a demigod yes like a nephilim 
Essentially, uh, yes. you know that's you know what's fucking crazy, and and, and not to interrupt you. I hope I'm not We're gonna fuck up your. yeah. Hopefully, I'm not gonna fuck up your flow here, bro. But uh, no, 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 because I'm kind of already going all over compared to what <laughs> you talk about it, man. I'm sorry. And it's look at the notes. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's just uh, fuck. Now I actually forgot what I was going to say. No, I had to do. I had to do, I had to do it something with Nimrod, and then the. I'm sorry, I totally forgot now. I'm sorry. Yeah, so, go, well, once the Tower of Babel came down, and that's essentially the the sword of God coming down, and and you know, uh, the, and you have the tarot card with the lightning coming down and bun, bodies plunging. You know, um, that's yeah. essentially the fall of the Tower of Babel. And okay. Once once that happened, at that same time was also the division of tongues. And so in a lot of cases, you see Nimrod with the club and, and representative of basically smashing the languages into the 70 languages that, that it was divided up into after the fall of Babel. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, but at that point that Nimrod put on that skin and began to wear it, um, he basically took over all of Mesopotamia. And wow. was the ruler over, you know, and the Bible talks about he was the ruler over, the, you know, the lands of Shinar and yes. um, basically all of Mesopotamia being Sumar. Yeah. And um, and at the time you were talking about as far as the Anunnaki and the Nephilim, yeah. um, that when you get into the Sumerian lore, um, let's see, where is it at? Uh, number five, four. Um, they talk about, here we go, right here. Mm-hmm. So the Sumerian, the first primal force was the Apsh, which was the freshwater. And then Tiamat, basically represented by the saltwater or the dragon. So you almost have the, the dragon seed entering it, like in the garden. Mm-hmm. The dragon seed. And so the, but the freshwater and the saltwater were mingled, right? Uh, and and when they were mingled, that basically created or engineered out of that mechanism what was called the Anu, which was the god of the heaven, right? And then you have Ea, who was the water god. But from the Anu, the god of the heaven, um, basically the Anunnaki were born out of that. Okay, that's so, interesting. And, and they basically, you know, it says that... Um, they they were churned forth in the text is what you know almost like a butter churn churned forth that's interesting yeah and they're related to the fallen angels and essentially you know falling down into matter and breeding with the earth women yes Um, but Nimrod was said um, that his his chest was he he was only like eight foot something tall which was rather small but his chest was like super super wide and they said <laughs> power was in his chest and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, but that, you know when you talk about like taking cyclopean stones and you know how some of these ancient structures you know are said to be built built in regard to the cyclopean you know the cyclops per se you yeah know? oh um, and that comes out of go ahead what i was going to say before that i forgot and i think you were kind of like getting into it again almost what I was going to get at is that a lot of the Mormons, well, not a lot, 
it, when I had noticed when I started getting into the Mormon stuff in Skinwalker Ranch, mm. you get a lot of them. There's different people. You know, I guess there's I guess, like any religion, people are going to have different theories on specific things and like where they mm. came from and this and that. But there are archaeologists, Mormon archaeologists that are out there digging up stuff and looking for stuff. And there is like a, a part of people in the Mormons that do believe that they are descendants from the giants. Yep. And they are descendants from the Nephilim. They really do believe that. Yeah. And I yeah. think we were talking about that before, and you just mentioned something now that made me remember mm. that that's what I mm. forgot before. Well, archaeology in general, the field of archaeology, began as a biblical um, attribute. Like they that's basically right. followed thought. the Bible and and went to these areas and started digging up, you know, and found, and they were like, well, this is in the right place, so this must be it, you know. And so um, a lot of these sites um, and, and continuing even, you know, we're starting to see more and more that um, a lot of, you know, and myth in essence comes from the root word of, of truth or a true narrative, a true tale. So a lot of these ancient myths we're starting to see are actual, you know, interrelated stories giving us some sort of a historical foundation. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, you have to realize that all of these ancient texts, you know, the history is always written by the winner. So, <laughs> all yes, yeah. yes. so all these ancient texts are the stories of these bloodlines of these kings that are, that are handed down, you know. Um, yeah. and, and so you have to look at it from the perspective that, that these are the winners through history. And a lot of times, you know, especially like when we see the Dead Sea Scrolls coming up, which there's starting to be some questions about in regard to when the Dead Sea Scrolls were released in regard mm -hmm. to um, links with uh, the foundation of Israel and the Rothschilds and getting into a lot of that stuff. Um, but I guess it was five days after the CIA was founded was when supposedly they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. So it's, you know, so you, you, you have to almost look at uh, a lot of these stories as, as possible um, modern myth-making narratives, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. um, and which I think a lot of what you were talking about in regard to the Mormons and, and the Latter-day Saints church. And I found it interesting. I was out in Hawaii and uh, on the big They're island, big over there a little bit, aren't they? Yeah, they have a giant. It's like one of the biggest pieces of like one of the most expensive pieces. I don't know if it's the biggest, but it's some huge center where it's the LDA. And then also when I was out. At, and you know, what's uh, real, real crazy real quick, just to throw this in yeah, there. If yeah. you go and follow Brandon Fugel on fucking Twitter, who is now the mm -hmm. owner of Skinwalker Ranch and you go through mm -hmm. his tweets, he's showing you he's buying shit tons of property in Hawaii too. Hawaii. Yeah, commercial yeah. property what? showing you the as same far as fucking the fertility thing. of it. Look at the Dole family, man. You know, as far as what they did to the to the uh, Polynesian kings that were there. Um, but also, when I was out at um, um, Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota, Native American nice. Reservation, um, we were out around Wounded Knee, around in there, and they have a huge LDS church that that's going around and proselytizing to the Native Americans. Like, which is also interesting, you know. Oh well, they were huge. They were huge with uh, 
I'm so, I feel like like I'm taking the show away from like what you're. Nah, you, nah. We'll get back to you as soon as after this. Yeah. But uh, they were big from what I have noticed uh, going through the research that me and Lux were doing, and I think I covered some of it in episode five. Uh-huh. They were like big at and and had tried to like kind of preaching their shit to the Indians. I mean, there was yeah. a guy Oliver Crody, you know, yeah. real close to Alistair Crowley, but Oliver yeah. Crody, <laughs> yeah. uh, he had this thing where he had I think once or twice, I think possibly with Brigham Young, like they went mm. to Mexico and they tried like they had a thing oh, where yeah. they were like we're going to try to convert these these Indians yeah. to Mexico. Well, and that was essentially a Masonic religion. You know that was set up to be the new religion of the new world, yeah. As far as the temple and and you know all that stuff and that and then you know the direct you can almost flop that right into some Scientology and stuff as well, you know. Um, but so now from before the flood, right? Um, as far as Sumar itself, um, when we look at let's see, um, Barosis, he tells us that. Uh, Zisuthras was directed to write the history of all things with the knowledge conveyed by the sea demons to be buried at the city of the sun at Sipara, and which after the flood, they went and they found these two pillars, right? And later these pillars um, with this ancient information from before the flood were also part of the model of what became the pillars of the Temple of Solomon and the Masonic pillars, right? Mm. Um, but nonetheless, once they found these pillars, um, it says uh, they built cities, erected temples, and Babylon was inhabited again, right? So, oh. and and when we look at ancient Samaria, a lot of people say it's uh, it's kind of a civilization that kind of popped up out of nowhere. It, it was like fully formed um, without, you know, any, it, they just had, so um, basically their main crop was barley and they drank a lot of beer. Um, they had tons of different types of foods from lentils, chickpeas, beans, onions, melons, apricots, pistachio, and they, and they had wine, but it was more for a ritual function as far as within the religious, you know, um, uh, processes. Um, and cu- the cuneiform texts, when we get into Thoth, um, the chit mark is his representative, and that's the main symbol in the cuneiformic writing, right? So Thoth being linked in with the Sumerian writing systems and the books of the civil, the Sibyls, and he was also said to write the books for the ancient Chaldean mysteries, which in Chaldea, we're talking Samaria, mm. and essentially um, the word Saturn is a Chaldean word. Wow, um, is it? Word, oh, yeah, the word mystery is a Chaldean word, right? And so with the mystery wow. system itself, right, when we look at the idea of mystery being the goddess cult going back to Isis, um, the hidden god of the mystery system is Saturn. And, and Saturn was Isis's father, you know, so she says, um, as well as being Osiris's father. Um, but, you know, um, we have in, uh, in uh, Samaria, we have the first recipes ever recorded in the Sumerian texts um, wow. from a spicy meat stew, duck and veg stew, braised turnips. They, have, they even had a pigeon pie 
Dang. Shit, okay. Cooking with the Right? Yeah, the pigeon, man. Um, oh, they but, eat pigeon in Malta, too. I've had right? it there. Oh, well, yeah, you know yeah. what? You know what? Yeah. When I've been to... Uh, I mean, unless, unless like, you know, they, for all I know, the people at the resort could have been fucking with you. But, I mean, I've been to the Dominican Republic, and I forget what, what they called it. But, like, when I've been there for the resorts, there's, like, this little fucking bird that I... I mean, I've been told it's mm-hmm. the same fucking thing. I mean, you see tons of them. They yeah. actually, like, eat them and, like, will serve them as, like... <laughs> and I'm... Man, if I was <laughs> Yo, on an island like really and there was weirder. only certain protein sources, I would be eating those little birds, too. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, you get hungry enough, um, you'll eat whatever the fuck you can. Actually, yeah. just catch it. There you go. <laughs> um, but also, in the cu- ancient cuneiform text, is the first ever mention of a frying pan. So you know, we have um, the what? early culture. Oh yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Um, but they had the first colored pottery. Um, they had the earliest medical operations we know about. Um, they had the first musical instruments, which we got in with. Uh, um, the the Jubal and the and Tubal Cain and and all that stuff before right as far as the purveyor of those items uh, culturally right um, they had the first animal husbandry um, they had the first again written language as far as the cuneiform text and I've gone through um, two different library collections of cuneiform um, texts that they had and it's mostly like um, sales receipts. It's like the most boring stuff you could ever dig into, man. No, um, I have heard of that before, actually. Yeah, yeah. But occasionally, you know, they say that there's all these masses of these cuneiform texts that, you know, we still haven't deciphered. Well, I would say probably 80 to 90% of them are going to be like receipts and bookkeeping, you know. Um, and and there's very a very few portion of them that are actually related to the mythos and the – but. I'm sure there's still texts we haven't, you know, because like a lot of the books, when I read them from the 1800s and before that, they have no idea really about Samaria. It's it's just within, you know, the last, uh, you know, um, century really. Yeah, yeah, really, yeah, uh, yeah. Gotten more of the Sumerian information. I, I, do you mind if I ask you a few things on that real quick? I mean, I, hate yeah. to, I don't want to throw you off, but I mean, you just you bring up things that just, you know, make me want to go into the stuff. <laughs> uh, Zechariah Sitchin. What do you think? Yeah. You, you, you think you think his stuff, I mean... Uh, I've read all his stuff. I, that's, that's another thing. I will say I have read a lot of his stuff. Yeah. Some yeah. of it on Egyptian stuff I think is actually great, and I think it's yeah. on point, but I do question his Sumerian stuff uh, to a point. You know what as I'm saying? far as his uh, interpretation of yes. words. Yeah. And, and I don't know, but at the same time, man, um, to go through that and, and look at it, it, it's good to have different perspectives. Um, there are some, uh, late 1800, um, Sumerian stuff that's been deciphered that you can get off archive.org that you can go through and it has some of the mythos and the legends and stuff like that. Um, but it, it, yeah, with, with Sechen, um, you almost have to wonder, um, I don't know, you know, it's it's hard to say. And just how much, you know, back to the UFO cults, man, as far as promoting oh, yeah, those yeah, ideas of the yeah. UFO cults and how kind of how far. Well, and even when you get into uh, Spielberg with the mm-hmm. Raiders of the Lost Ark, mm-hmm. when it's the seven alien crystal skulls, and he's like, it's not, it's not outer space, it's dimensional, you know? And so 
they're they're kind of cha- slowly morphing the story. Um, but when you get into Lamb and when you get into Crowley and when you get into, you know, the idea, you know, as far as the look of that figure, um, it's it's just interesting that, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and Crowley even says that, you know, these are things that have been around. It's just we call them by different names now. So, you know, and when you when you talk about the Anunnaki, you know, um, that word literally means where the earth, where the heavens meet the earth. Yeah. So is it a factor of um, dimensional or is it a factor of outer space, you know? So that, and, and again, mm. you know, back to the open to interpretation, you know, maybe Zachariah Sitchin was going through it and was basically like, they're talking about rocket ships and that yeah. just kind of got stuck in his head and he kind of just manifested that direction. That's, um, that's, that's a good point. I, I've actually yeah. thought that, I mean, I'm not discrediting his all of his stuff, but I have wondered, yeah. like, if, like what you're saying, you you could take one thing as a misinterpretation and kind of like yeah. screw it up a little bit, or honestly, a lot of stuff that I think and I, and I've questioned with him why I brought it up is that uh, like mm-hmm. like like what you're saying. Let's say if we're trying to actually talk about stuff that is out there and just being called different names over time, yeah. did he just make his own version of that story with his own archetypes? You know what right. I'm saying? Like, right. could he like, still be telling the truth, but just with archetypes and characters and names now? You yeah. Know? Well, Crowley, in how he kind of rewrote the Horus mythos, um, I think Kenneth Grant is doing the same thing with the Typhonian energies. Yep. You know, he's got the and, Typhonian and, order. Yeah, and Yates. When you study Yates, um, he talks about the fact that depending on who is studying history, depending on your background, your understanding, like the knowledge that you have as far as the scope of spectrum, it's going to determine how you view certain aspects. So every time someone studies history, we're actually changing history, mm. you know? Yeah. So, and, and well, and back to the whole skin of Nimrod, yes, sir, right? Um, it, it's, it's, I almost feel at a certain point that that symbol was occulted as the lion skin that, that, you know, the ancient uh, um, truth seekers or the ancient uh, hero type characters would wear when they would, you know, partake on their underworld journey and become resurrected as, as the new man, you know, as the Solomon. Um, So it's, it's just, uh, yeah, you have to wonder, and and but the thing is, as you go through all this, you see similarities between all these cultures, and it's like how we were talking about um, how um, all the miscellaneous uh, castrations of the high priests from the from you know Kybel or Sybil up into the Templars, and you know, and even getting into that pawnbroker symbol, you know, and and. Um, flipping that upside down, giving us the mouse ears, you know, um, which Tracy Twyman gets pretty in depth on. Um, but uh, it's, yeah, symbols, man, you have to wonder on what level they're at certain points. If like when, when the mystery cults of Osiris were put to an end by set, um, they kind of went underground, you know, even further. You know, and and like the the temples no longer had the public orgies and the the smoking of the you know the altars with blood, um, and and they kind of took and it's kind of like 
Masonic orders kind of saying they hold that, you know, and at a certain point, I think that occulted information, it was necessary to keep it underground to maintain that mythos. Um, and then you see in 1717 when, <laughs> you know, when they essentially brought the Masonic order into full being after the, you know, Francis Bacon writing, writing about the Rosicrucians and bringing, bringing a lot of that mythos back. Um, and then the follow over into the Royal Society and what that did with scientism right up to present day, you know. But I think a lot of these things are um, at certain points occulted into a new symbol for a new, you know, group of people. I yeah. think you're nailing it on that because there's yeah. a lot of things that, uh, just from my own experience, how like you have like, like that is something I think that is besides Crowley, like I'm not trying to give the guy credit. Um, right. Besides him, I do think he did, he was an occult genius in a sense. I, I think mm. that a reason why he's also very popular is because he was able to kind of create his own mythos to explain mm -hmm. magic and certain stuff. You know what I'm right, saying? Like right. you even kind of said how he kind of did a resurgence or a thing of Horus, you know, yeah, the idea yeah. of Horus. I think, you know, him with Nui, Tadit, Raho, Kuwait, and like his own kind of like story of his own characters. I think that his is... His own structure. Yes, I think that's what has really... Um, made him popular, but the thing is, is this is like you just have different people of different orders having their own way and their own symbols that almost kind of explain the same thing. But then, right. in a sense, I think then when it gets personal and when the symbology right. might change, is when they're trying to be specific about where they stand in occultism or their idea or what their agenda is. You know what I'm saying? Right. There is right. a baseline, right. I think, of symbol symbology that kind of is covers all, but then it does mm -hmm. get very specific, I think, to like just a different yeah. order's idea and shit like that. Right. If you well, and, and as far as the, the hieroglyphs, if you go back into uh, even before Sumeria, into the Transylvanian region, um, there's uh, some of the oldest uh, uh, texts that we've found, and it very much ties in with the look of the Egyptian hieroglyphs as well as the Sumerian writings. Mm. You know? So when you follow that, that line down from Lake Van, as far as the watcher class and the setting up of, of, you know, what was the, the vulture cults and the mystic mountains around Mesopotamia before they came in to Mesopotamia and basically set up, you know, Sumar and Babylon and, and, and well, even Ethiopia and Egypt into Sumar, you know, but, but you have this, uh, this school of thought that is uh, in, from what I can tell, it goes all the way back to ancient Atlantis and Mu, you know, and is, and like I was talking about how under those pillars or inside those pillars, you know, and it talks about one was brick and one was lattice work. And basically they didn't want it to burn or to sink, you know? So, but, and then they went in and they retrieved this ancient information and set up the civilization like almost whole cloth, you know, and, and Nimrod um, was said to be the rebeller who was rebelled against. Right. Um, and, and Rhea, mother Rhea was said to be the gazer, which goes back to those ancient vulture cults of gazing on the horizon, you know, looking for 
prey, looking for predators um, that she basically incorporated into the tower building um, as far as uh, um, Inanna, Ishtar. Um, when you get into uh, the, the tower builders of Babylon, it was basically the goddess cult that was related with the tower building in Babylon, right? And she was the one that set up the walls. She was the one that went around um, and, and basically built walls around. And so generation, how it goes around and like life is cyclic. So the walls surrounded the city and, and they basically, um, you know, uh, it was Cain was said to be the first builder of cities. Nimrod was said to be the first builders of cities. Um, the first city was said to be called Enoch, um, which, uh, and when you have the two lines in the Bible, as far as, uh, the line of Cain and the line of Seth, right. A lot of those names are very similar, and a lot of people think that the names have been confused to basically cover up that serpent line that's coming through. Um, but nonetheless, um, that first city was Enoch, and um, it's almost like um, Cain's Enoch was more an animated citadel. It, like he almost, mm. I think he considered the city his child. You know what I mean? It's, it's, but nonetheless, they had these walled cities and you, this is when you're having the rise of the walled cities coming about. So you have like Jericho, you have like, uh, what are all the walled cities? There's, I got a whole list of them here somewhere, but, uh, nonetheless, so you have them in the, and they start riding against their neighbors for plunder, right? Which is where they get all the resources to basically expand this kingdom. And, and these priests of Nimrod, um, you know, are related to Baal um, as far as the Kana Baal, the priests of Baal. Um, right? I've actually wondered about that with Kana, with Cannibal. I've always yeah. I've actually kind of well, wondered about and that. And also it, I think it relates to Cain and Abel. Yeah, yeah. I've thought well, of that or Canaanites and, you know, you might be I, mixing a couple of words there, you know. Yeah, well, Cana was originally the term for Ethiopia. And the Canaanites were the Ethiopians under under um, Ham, right? When Ham came to settle, you know, Ethiopia. So those were the Canaanites, um, which, you know, and then so you have them building these towers. And, and nonetheless, when, when the younger Nimrod takes over, he essentially puts on that skin and he's the Lord of the cannibals. Right. And, and they're basically in these underground labyrinthian structures, you know, doing their rituals, um, doing their chants of the seven sacred vowels um, and, and intoning the singing spheres of the planets. And, and they would paint, blue like rings around their eyes almost like panda eyes right and and essentially um see the blue makes sense to me though so yeah i get yeah well and look at the new meta logo Mm. oh fuck the blue rings around the eyes man holy shit yeah when i saw that and meta when you trace that back it actually goes into an ancient hebrew term that's associated with the cult of the dead so again, you know, with all this kind of it, it, you know, and um, but nonetheless, they would, uh, they would, uh, in 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 the ancient Hebrew priest tradition, um, there was an idea that the priest had to take part in the 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 offering as far as the 
the communion, right? Um, so these priests were basically, um, you know, participating in blood ritual, the eating of flesh, um, and and it gets into when you go back and and you look at how Saturn essentially would eat his children as soon as they were born, mm-hmm. right? And kind of ending that generation or that going around of time, basically stopping time. Um, it was uh, it was now Nimrod, um, the younger, when he was reborn, he was seen as a colossal um, black serpent, right? And and um, they had two serpents that were basically entwined. In, in the earlier Mesopotamian culture. And then Nimrod was symbolized, which goes back to one of the earliest representations of the Caduceus. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but Nimrod was represented as this colossal black serpent that was on fire, right? Wow. And, oh, yeah. And and basically in the ritual, as, as the uh, um, priestly ritual was going on, um, Anana or Ishtar, or, you know, one of these, these personifications with depending on the region you go in, Mm -hmm. because, you know, each region had a slightly different name for the the goddess and the God. So like Nimrod was Nebu, um, you know, Inanna, and like Isis, how she talked about, she was the mother of all gods. So basically, you know, you have these, the male God and the female God being personified under a multitude of names being Moronymous, which means the, the goddess with a million names. Right. And so, um, really, but that's, that's Moronymous. Yeah. That's one of ISIS's titles. And, and it's basically, she's calling herself the mother with a million names because she, as she spread out in the mystery cults, she took on, depending upon the cultural need and, and again, you know, we see over and over how much like with uh, the Christian religion absorbed, um, you know, Christmas and and all these miscellaneous holidays to 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 personify their force as as a as a cult of the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, very much when the mystery schools would spread through the merchant class, you know, Mercury being the the god of liars and thieves and travelers um basically they would accommodate these different cults like um in in uh where where the acts of thomas were written right there was a god that was uh that was reborn from z's to ozzy like you see all these different areas that these these gods were being you know basically sacrificed and then reborn. Yeah. yeah so you have yeah, this yeah. this resurrection process. Mm. Um, getting into and you know and that gets into um, the baptism of wisdom. That gets into the king's chamber and laying in the king's chamber for three days. And you know, basic and and the whole Lazarus Lazarus phenomena as far as the you know uh, being and and I think a lot of that had to do with um, the different types of hashish that they were using because they had the cannabosum, which was the cannabis hashish, right? But they also had a red hashish, which was like an opium hashish. And so I think that they were basically um, doing different substances from opium to cannabis to mushrooms and basically going into this uh, inebriated state where they would be put into a casket 
much like the skull and bones, how you're yeah. asking, right? And and you would basically have that um, three day out of out of body experience, right? See, like, haven't and we seen you, like celebrities do shit like that, but in other ways? Like, I think Lady ways, Gaga has movies, Lady Gaga, I think, has done it in an egg. We've even had that, like, mm. when I even, I think, was, what the fuck is his name? Like, We're David Blake, I think, didn't that fucking, oh, yeah. or like, one of those magician guys even, like, put himself mm. in some shit for a few days. David and Blaine, I, yeah. I was like, yo, yeah. I was like, this is, yeah. like, kind of almost, I think, like, you just advertising occult practices. I really mm. think that's all this oh, yeah. is. Well, and that's the, that's the other thing, the three days, um, you know, being, um, the time that Christ was in the tomb, um, the, the personification of three in general, you know, being the triune and you look at the number of trinities, you know, and as these gods were, were, you know, basically, uh, sacrificed and reborn, um, the father would become the son, you know, with the mother and mm. that would create the Trinity, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So you have this consistent pattern uh, but but the so in these cannibal rituals in the labyrinth, right? Um, essentially, you would have the goddess there, and she would have um, twelve either twelve stars around her head, which is getting into the horror Babylon and what? turning the cycle of the zodiac, right? Um, but nonetheless, she would be there and and birth the child, right, with the risen Nimrod as the black serpent on fire. And literally as the child was being born, Nimrod would eat the child, you know? So as far as getting into the cannibalistic ritual, blood magic, and a lot of the stuff we're seeing, you know, and that ties directly into, as you would see it move into the Greek personification, you would see um, essentially Saturn, you know, eating his own children. Mm-hmm. And it, would, it would, it wasn't until Zeus, you know, that, that, that's, and then the, the war of the Titans, you know, and sending the, the, uh, you know, them into the underworld encased into the black cube, yes. you know, back to the old black cube of Saturn again. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know what but, I found interesting? I think I mentioned it yesterday. Um, I don't I, you know, because of the whole, oh, well, first off, before, when you mentioned ISIS, you said more, Moran something, right? Moranimous. Now, you know, when I was digging into stuff with, you know, the Mormons hate to be keep going back to that. It's just it seems to tie into this shit so well. Yeah. yeah. Um, There there was a lot of nameplay with starting off with the word moron, believe it or Mm. not, with names in their shit. And you you can go into their um, I I think it's on one of their websites. It might just be the Church of Latter-day Saints where you can actually go into the Book of Mormon. And there's like a search bar and you could just type in words and it'll just show you when things show up. So like I typed in the word moron, you know, mm-hmm. and there was actually a part in the book where I think there was actually even a town in mm-hmm. there called moron. And I'm mm-hmm. like, could you believe if somehow when we are actually calling people morons, yeah, this word goes back to something we have no fucking clue or idea where it came from. I'm sure it does. If, if I if said that, I'm like, yo, this could literally be going back to like some occult fucking a weird shit. Yeah, and yeah. we have no idea, and we call people morons, not even knowing what right. the fuck that word means. Well, and and just like the Mormon um, theology, um, you know, goes back into the Bible. 
Um, you know, the Bible is, and then you take the Bible back to the, the Hebrew and you start looking at that rabbi's writings. Um, and then the rabbis, you know, in Hebrew go back to Zoroaster, who was said to be Thoth. You know, so again, back to Egypt, you know, it all goes back to this essential story as far as this line that we're talking about, you know, Mm -hmm. being, being this. So, um, but, but, um, Nimrod, um, was the first to domesticate the leopard, um, for the hunt, um, the leopard Mm -hmm. and the cheetah, um, and essentially, um, Bacchus, right. Was meant to lament, or to weep, and Nimrod was the one who was wept after, and Bacchus, um, on his chariot or his little cart that he rides on, um, it's pulled by the leopards. You oh, know? yeah, that's now, right. Now, now, you're saying... I'm sorry, did you want to say something, Teresa? No, honestly, uh, my brain is firing, like, in a thousand directions yeah, based on all the things you said, but I don't want to interrupt you, so... I know, I'm I just feel like, bad, but you I'm just, just keep saying more like, shit that I'm like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> you said that that Nimrod controlled leopards, right? Or something yes, like that. He, domestic, he, did, he, he domesticated them for the hunt because he was the he was the great hunter, right? Now, so at one point, doesn't Ra get Hathor to turn into a leopard and kill people for him? It's a possibility. I, yeah, no, I and, and she gets one. like drunk on blood, and I think the only no. way they can stop Hathor is that they bring sense. her like a a, uh, a bucket of wine, and she thinks it's blood, and yep. eventually gets yep. fucking shit faced drunk and, out. and stops <laughs> killing people. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, and, and it's, they get drunk by wine. It's yeah. funny yeah. how like this all like you're saying the, yeah. going yeah. back to Egypt. It's almost like a retelling. Yeah. Well, so now you were talking about she was drinking so much blood, right? Um, the leper, the leopard, is where we get the word libor or liberty from, right? And the leopard was the one that would catch its prey and take it up into a tree and drink all the blood out of the animal before it eviscerated it and ate its flesh. Blood right? drunk. Right. Yeah, and the the term libar associated with leopard means to pour out drop by drop. Yo, right? Yeah, and that's associated. That's How do you directly spell that? L I B L I B R Liber. I'm gonna wow um, it was making me think I of, of Crowley, well it's making me think of, of Crowley's books. Mm-hmm. Liber. Oh Liber. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was very close. Drop by drop associated with blood <laughs> and the devour <laughs> but also that's associated with um pouring a libation. Right. And when you pour a libation, you know how uh, like you see, oh, just a spill for my homies. Yes. And they'll pour the pour a spill of the 40 on the curb. So traditionally, that was the idea of liber or libation. And they would actually have feeding tubes. They would bury their dead under their houses and they would have feeding tubes. And during like dinner, when they would eat and everything, they would actually go and pour a libation down into the earth where the ancestors were trapped. Holy shit. So, you know, when you get into liberty, and and also now when you get into the idea of alpha and omega, right, the alpha is the point. So you essentially have the bottom of the A, which draws the circle, right? So that's the waters of the chaos. And then you have the top of the A, which is the point of light, shooting out right uh-huh. so that's essentially the beginning of all time space right the alpha and then the omega is considered 
in occult practices to be liberty. And, and this is essentially the idea that those ancestors trapped in the earth, in the black cube, those, you know, outside of time space, you know, are essentially at the point of Omega. That is their liberty. That is when they are released. You know what? You, so, know, what's, you know, it's funny not to get, I don't want to get too like off base, but like, or conspiratorial, but hmm. I do say that, you know, getting into the moon, I do think that is kind of what constructs our time and space. And hmm. there is things where I think the moon uh, and the Liberty Bell in its sense, hmm. uh, I think the Liberty Bell might be showing you something that it's broken. Yeah. You know, oh, I and that is that. why there is liberty. And I do think yeah. that some ways mm-hmm. along, I think if we crack the moon, there would be yeah. liberty in a sense, <laughs> as crazy as that sounds. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So now with Benjamin Franklin, when you look at Benjamin Franklin, when he made that Liberty Bell, right? Um, you know, Benjamin Franklin being an alchemist, calling down lightning like the old alchemists, um, all his coins and, and uh, money that he designed were all basically Hamite themes. So he's tying back into ancient Ethiopia with the ideas that he was putting on the early money, right? Um, but nonetheless, when Benjamin Franklin was casting that Liberty Bell, um, he was experimenting with a new technique, right? So he would basically take the mold of the bell and he would fill it up with ice, like chipped ice all throughout, right? And um, then he would pour the molten metal into the form and the ice would basically, now we're looking at alchemy, you know, the fire with the water and then you get steam, right? And that steam would cause the bell to be full of um, bubbles, right, Uh, inside the metal, right? So when the bell would ring, it would have a truer um, ring about it. A truer resonance. A truer resonance, correct. But the thing was, because of the holes, um, it made the bell weak, and that's why it cracked. And if you get into the Grateful Dead at all in Franklin's Tower – they, you know, um, he, the, the line is, if you get confused, just listen to the music play. Well, that was a Benjamin Franklin quote where he was saying, you know, if you don't understand the process, just listen to the music and he would ring the bell. What? So, you know, it, it's just interesting how all that kind of, you know, ties in as far as liberty. Yeah, and, and very and weird. Back to this ancient and even in the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the Phrygian hat. If you, are you familiar with the Phrygian hat? No, go no, for it. No, what's that? Not. Okay, so um, <laughs> you'll see on early American coins, like the Liberty Dollar, um, and they'll wear that hat that kind of comes over in the front, like a Smurf hat. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh. Okay, so um, that Smurf hat, that red hat, um, was in ancient uh, Chaldea, um, was the symbol of the freed slave. Right. And, and that came up through Roman times. And during the Saturnalia, they would wear the, the Phrygian hat. And basically the slaves would take, they would switch roles and the slaves would be the masters and the masters would be the slaves for one day, you know, and, and um, nonetheless, that Phrygian hat, you can follow it right up to the French revolution when they brought the German luminous lodges into the French lodges, um, they would wear the Phrygian hat 
during the start of the French Revolution so they could recognize each other, not to kill each other, right? As far as agent provocateurs within the system. Jeez. This is know? all very Game of Thrones, I just want to say. George yeah. R. Martin, all he did was read a bunch of books and, and you know, same just thing. smash with, it together, yeah. Yeah, and smash it together, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you can look on early American coins. Um, the early silver dollars have the Phrygian hat. Um, it's on like 23 state seals. It'll either be associated with a beehive, back to the Mormons, um, or it'll be on top of a long pole that's holding. It's uh, it's on crests and coins around the world, and it's in, in your face so often. Oh, shit. Then most people never recognize it, right? But I think it's even like... Uh, a, a few of the intelligence agencies have have it on their uh, their seals as well, you know. Um, but that Phrygian hat, um, Nimrod used to wear that hat um, in in uh, ancient Persia, um, and and you know it's just uh, it's just interesting when you follow this stream and that because I was following the idea of liberty, and I started just you know documenting all these facts about the leopard and liberty and how it's related to blood and spilling the blood on the beating the ancestors. And it's the fractioning away from the, you know, and it's like Lord of the Rings where essentially the, the bell is the, the center force and the vibrations radiate out, you know? And, and, and so it's, it's, it's just so entwined in everything, you know, and now we have the libertarians and we have the, the, you know, the, the, the liberals and, and what I, <laughs> what I don't think a lot of, you know, what a lot of libertarians and a lot of liberals understand is that they're just opposite ends of the, the spectrum yeah, of duality. liberty. Right. Duality. But at a certain point they cross over on the backside and, yeah, and you go you so know, far on each side, you're gonna end up end up at the same point. You're gonna cross over. Yeah, they're fighting themselves yeah. basically yeah. because they don't understand the term liberty and where it comes from in essence. You know, you know, you know what I wanted it's, to. Uh, it's, yeah. I wanted to show you real quick, Robbie. I just uh, maybe you might find this interesting. This you were talking about money, and you were talking about like that type of hat or just something like weird. Hmm. Uh, this is this is money. That uh, I did show. I'm going to show it to you. So you, can you see that? Let's see. Yeah. yeah. Ah. No, I don't know. Like you're talking about. Like I know that isn't too much of a Smurf hat, but then it even made me think of the Disney thing. But whatever. This this is. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's very weird. But this for some reason you said something before that made me think about this. Uh, this is uh, actually mm. Mormon money. <laughs> Well, you mentioned the the cyclopses before, Rob. So, yeah, and that oh, looks yeah. like the Freemason handshake, possibly. But uh, yeah. yeah, when they yeah. did have their Kirtland Bank, uh, this was their coin that they had. Hmm. Very fucking. Weird. And I, I almost, thought maybe it I might look familiar looks to like you, or you might get something out of that. Very weird, newt. right? But it also kind of reminds me of the Dagonian fish hat. Yeah, way. that too. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But then with that extra stuff know. on the side, I thought it was very weird. I thought maybe if I showed this <laughs> yeah, to you, you'd that see is, something. That is interesting. Helen uh, just said it reminds her of Shrek. I thought the same thing, Helen. Oh, yeah. shit. Although it's shape the of ogres. his head. Nice. Ogre. As far as the, ogre. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And in, in, in Utah, you have Ogden, and that's the den of the giants. 
the og so back to the flood right um when well, noah, ogden in utah ogden utah exactly yeah. well and that's the den of og or the den of the giant and i right? think mormons right? did i think mormons did start that town <laughs> yeah that's i think ogden is definitely a mormon mormon uh, named place sorry to keep bringing um, it up but og um og was said after uh, like before the flood he actually jumped in in one some of the old rabbi stories he jumped on top of the ark and rode the ark through the uh, deluge and basically he reemerged and basically inaugurated oh, the man. new world <laughs> and so and freeman fly you know i've heard him talk quite a bit about the fact that you know when when politicians go and you know they are inaugurated they're being instilled with the spirit of the giant. Yeah. So that even flows into the modern political vernacular. God, you know? It's so crazy yeah. how it's all connected. Right. And right. you mentioned a while back, Rob, like R- Rhea or Rhea. Yeah. Mo- yeah. Mother Rhea. Yeah. So she was the wife of Kronos, right? Right. And, and she's she was the- also the, the uh, wife of Nimrod. Well, I was going to say, she's the one that stopped him from eating the, the last child, which was right. Zeus. Right. Right. Well, in the Greek pantheon. Now, Mother Rhea, um, Ishtar, Nana, you can see there's a whole lineage that she's basically handed down through and associated with, again, going back to Isis, you know. Um, but nonetheless, in those rituals, um, uh, one of the other rituals I read about was uh, it was basically a sex magic ritual where she was. Uh, and, and Nimrod's title during this ritual was cuckold, right? So Nimrod was the first cuckold. Come on. Um, <laughs> yeah. And Nimrod would oversee the ritual while Mother Rhee was the Scarlet Lady, right? And essentially they would, uh, you know, and, and the whole purpose of that was to um, differentiate oneself and and basically to create an out of body experience for the purpose of prophecy or soothsaying, you know. But Nimrod was ba- and 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 Re Mother Re was also the one who instituted um, the idea of celibacy within the priesthood. She was the first one to you know. So when we look at the Catholic Church, you know, and especially Orthodox. Um, and the celibacy in regard to that, that goes all the way back to Nimrod and Mother Re. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you mentioned too before the, who was it with the 12 stars, you said? Oh, yeah, head? that was that was Mother Re, um, in Ishtar and Nana. Okay. Um, depending, and, and the thing is, you got to realize these areas were so close to each other uh-huh. that in the Northeast, she had one name, in the Northwest, she had, a, so depending, like how we talked about the mystery schools moving, and mm-hmm. the slow morphing of this, this, uh, this uh, time cult, basically, um, but uh, yeah, she, uh, she would uh, stand birthing the child, like we talked about, um, and, and, uh, it's it's but they would have uh two ri- they would have two ritual festivals a year basically uh-huh. in area they would have one that was for uh demuzi or tammuz or young ninus or Nim- young nimrod right who would essentially wed um inanna ishtar 
or Mother Re. And, and that was the bridegroom festival. So, you know, when we get into the term bridegroom and a lot of what, um, when you get into a lot of the Christian fundamentalist writings, mm-hmm. they basically talk about the idea that a lot of what the Bible did or a lot of what Jesus did as far as in like the cannibal um, rituals, as far as the eating of the flesh and drinking of the blood, that he basically came and substituted himself yes. as to end human sacrifice. Yes. And that was the purpose of the creation of the sacrament. The Eucharist, know? yeah. Um, right, right. But yeah. Um, and then the other festival that they would have, and these are all based around the moon and different times of the year. Um, sure. But the the um, other festival they would have would be when um, young Damuzi or Tammuz would basically um, be sacrificed and rise again, right? And it was the whole three days. And um, some of the legends say that he was basically pulled down under the water. Um, others say that um, uh, shades from the underworld came and took him down into the underworld. And like Mother Re basically made a deal with the devil to bring him back. Um, but nonetheless, when he's resurrected, mm. um, they would all, they would, well, before that, they would basically um, have a statue and they would pour oil on it, the sacred oil, and they would like burn incense. And then after the third day, wow. like the, they would all yell, the Lord has risen, which follows right into Christianity. Come on. Right, right? Yeah. Oh, no, I brought shit. up the 12 stars because I know mm-hmm. sometimes like the Virgin Mary, when she appears to yeah. people, she's depicted with a crown of 12 That's stars. 12 stars, right? Yeah. Which well, that- you could say is the apostles maybe, or 12 or tribes of Israel. Like 12 I don't tribes know. or the Zodiac. Yeah, or Zodiac. That if you take it back to the zodiac, then you're almost relating um, Mother Mary with the Gnostic Sophia, yeah. You know, in regard to that early goddess, you know, cult of of the serpent, you know, yeah. going back into ancient Lemuria and Mu. Yeah. Uh, well, you even I found even... it was funny. Sorry. No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead Teresa. No, when you said that um, Nimrod was often depicted as like a black serpent. Yeah. Right. And then I just, <laughs> my oh, I mind know. went, my mind went to Kobe Bryant, how he called himself black Mamba all the time. Then maybe he was like putting on that spirit of like oh, this he- heroic giant, like yeah. who, who knows. Right. Yeah. And, and his death of- is like all tied into like COVID and, and patent numbers and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, they, and he's kind of a sacrifice. As yes. Well, on a right. Level, you know? Yes. Oh, I believe wow. that probably is most wow. likely. Mm. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, you start talking. See, I, in a lot of ways, it's be- I, I think it's better to talk about like ancient stuff because we can talk about these things without like raising red flags in regard to the modern, you know, control units. Yeah. Yes. You know, and you were <laughs> well, saying- it's good to understand the ancient yeah. lore behind yes. it, right? Like that's yeah. essential. Otherwise, you don't under- Underst- understand what you're looking at. Exactly. Right? Exactly. You nailed it. Yeah. I think uh, also Let's- when it comes to, uh, you know, different old depictions of, uh, it may not be 12 stars, but like, I feel like you're also mm. kind of like talking about a uh, Hakate or the Statue of Liberty a little bit to an extent. Um, it yeah. may not be stars, With the but seven it's rays. rays of yeah, and, and it's not twelve, but it is a female. Yeah. yeah. Well, and well, seven and seven rings of Saturn, right? Isn't there seven? Yeah, there is. Actually. I don't know if it's. Yeah. I think it's. Se- I think it's yeah. seven. Yeah. You know, yeah. I swear yeah. to God, I I even hit up Lux about it in a. Uh, 
I, I, maybe I got to send him the link to have him watch it. I really, it was fucking wild. I, I watched a, I think it was like a history channel thing. It was just like a show on Saturn. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch this and just see what they say. And there was like so many things when it came to numbers and certain things that they said. I was like, yo, I was like, this shit actually like falls like into like stuff on the tree of life and Kabbalistic shit. I was like, I could see how like the science that they're even explaining with Saturn actually falls in with numbers with how it works in magic. And I was like, yo. That's fucking weird. And I was like, I don't know. Well, maybe they made up those numbers to coincide with the magic. <laughs> or, so, yeah, or, or they knew back then, you know, <laughs> shit like that. Yeah, yes. because very think, weird. I very weird. When you, uh, in, yeah, when you engender things with certain power numbers, um, I think you start to uh, basically work within the matrix of the idea Mator the mother of all matter. Um, and, and I think you start to work in, you know, and granted it's, it's, it's a tool. It can be used in a positive mean. It can be used in a negative mean. Um, but it's just interesting. Um, the repetition of, of the, but I think there's also something within the idea of math magic and the way that math works and stacks on itself, that you're always going to come back to, these essential numbers just because of the way that math works. And I think that at a certain point we may start to um, think that that is influencing the world when it's just the natural matrix of math itself. Gotcha. What I'm saying? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, cuz I think if you start looking for certain patterns, I mean it's been proven, you know, if you look for certain if you if you look for 111 or 1111, you're going to see them everywhere. You know, if you look for a red, if you think about a red car, you're going to see it everywhere. So yeah. at a certain point, you have to be aware of the human biocomputer and how it's interpolating the data. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yes. It's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's true. Now I wanted to get into, we talked about the uh, Anu and how the Apsh and Tiamat, the salt water and the fresh water mixed and how that brought forth the Anu, right? Mm-hmm. And the Anunnaki. Um and when we get into um, uh, the idea of uh, Cthulhu, in, as far as uh, Lovecraftian lore, right? Um, in in Sumerian, Cthulhu simply means the man from the underworld, right? And basically, it was at uh, the city of Kutha, right, which is related to Nergal who is the planet Mars, the god of war, um, that at this city was said to be the entrance to the underworld, right, into the Apsh, which, you know, was the fresh water ocean in the center of the hollow earth, right? (laughs) And uh, essentially, um, it was Inky, so you have the story of Inky and Enlil, right? Mm. And and this gets back into the idea of how, like, ju- you have all these personifications of gods, like Jupiter, like, um, you know, uh, uh, Jah basically telling Moses he's going to flood the earth. Um, but it was, it was uh, Enlil who wanted to basically end mankind, right? He was like, it's a big mistake. We got to start over. And um, Inky... Um, he wanted, he was basically the one that, that conveyed that the flood was coming 
you know, work to save mankind is associated with Prometheus as far as stealing the knowledge and wisdom of the heavens and giving the, the Promethean fire to mankind. Um, but essentially, um, Inky, he resided in his underworld home in the apse, in the freshwater sea, in the hollow earth, right? And he would sit on top of a cubic throne. So, but that cubic throne, get this, it was, it had a tic-tac pattern on it. So it was literally a Rubik's cube, right? Oh, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he, he sat on top of it and in one hand, um, he held a pot um, that was overflowing with water, right? And there was pots all around him that were also overflowing with water. And they basically fed the Tigris and Euphrates River, right? So this gives us a direct Sumerian link back into the Egypt Egyptian uh, theology, right? Um, but as he would hold the one pot that would be flooding, much like Aquarius, um, in the other hand, he had another pot that was growing the tree of immortality or the tree of life, right? And basically it was the waters of the Tigris and the Euphrates that fed this, this cosmic tree of life that he held in the underworld, you know? Um, but nonetheless, um, Inky being that on his cubic throne in the underworld was Cthulhu. He was the man of the underworld. Um, sorry, it doesn't, doesn't Cthulhu look like what was on the gold coin that New York showed? Um, or not really? Yeah. I mean, you know, you get into the Lovecraftian descriptions and you get into the, uh, you know, octopus tentacles and the winged mm -hmm. demon. And, um, but if you go into the Sumerian, um, he's more just like a priestly Lord, you know, in, in heavenly remnants sitting on a throne, basically, you know, nurturing the tree of immortality and, okay. and supplying the waters of, and, and, um, the waters of life, um, they were actually called gnosis. So, you know, oh yeah. So when you get into the idea of the Gnostics yeah. and, and the carryover, and, and then you can also get into the idea of this baptism of wisdom, um, you know, where, where, uh, and, and going back, uh, there's, in uh, ancient Persia, they found giant bowls um, that they would basically, they think that that were used for this baptism um, that, that, you know, goes right up into um, the Hebrews and how during certain parts of the year they have a, a tub um, and it has to be moving water. It always has to be moving water. Um, but um, they would basically, and it's set up like the Zodiac. And they would walk in and then walk through basically the zodiacal calendar, you know, and arise as the other side, you know. So it was a cleansing ritual um, that was basically, uh, in a way, Gnostic occult as far as, you know, the ascended and rising uh, man. Going back to the the Messiah and the Mesha and anointing with the, the fat of the crocodile dragon, you know. Even the running water. Yeah, we were talking about with Raven about moving water. Remember? Yeah, yeah I did really hear. Yeah, something about that. Mm -hmm. And and that's the whole thing with the River of Jordan is it's generally thought to be like a cosmic river, 
where literally the stars are pouring down into the river and the energy, like the energy from Kether from the Godhead is essentially flowing through the river of Jordan. That's the one Jesus was baptized in. Right. And that's when you get into a lot of modern bluegrass and a lot of uh, theology regarding the river of Jordan and gospel music. It's the idea of crossing over from this realm into the next. Wow. That's so interesting. Yeah. And at one point I even remember something happened where it caused the, the rivers to basically subside and withdraw. And they had to do something to bring the heavenly river back into the river of Jordan. Um, and that, that kind of gets into the idea of um, the, uh, the altar. We talked about that altar of Adam with the five or six stones around it. Um, essentially that Adam became the altar of Abraham and, um, supposedly when they, you know, we'll get into that. And I think the next episode, we should go into how this skin of Nimrod basically, um, ends up in the hands of, um, Jacob and Esau and how it is a, um, prominent factor in the blessing of Abraham that, brings forth the 12 tribes of Israel. Oh, wow. You know? Yeah. What, uh, what texts do they mention the skin of Adam? Like, is it, I don't remember seeing it in the Bible, but maybe I'm mistaken. Yeah, it's in the Bible. It's in Jasher. Oh, okay. Um, I haven't read the book of Jasher. There. But also mm-hmm. if you go in, I want to say it's in Genesis. Um, it's at the point when, when they're passing the, uh, the, uh, um, Abrahamic blessing onto Jacob. Um, but, but we'll get into all that. Um, but if you go and look in the Bible, when, when Jacob gets the blessing, they they specifically reference the skin of Adam. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, but, but that's the whole thing. You know, I wonder, um, how much that ancient lion skin that we see on many of the, the figures in, in carvings and bas relief, you know, um, and statuary. Um, I wonder how much that lion skin is actually a, a culted symbol of, of the skin of Adam, you know, but, but at the same time, maybe it's a representative force kind of like, you know, they only had one and it was kept by the highest, you know, and then they had like a, a remnant garment that emulated that skin that, that they would give, you know, in the different lands to, to facilitate the, you know, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. That's fucking yeah. wild. So I have, somebody was even talking about, uh, sorry, in the chat, about crossing the abyss and Sharon. So there was something you said yeah. before, like even with like the flowing water and all that stuff. And like, I guess with uh, Jesus and the, whatever you were saying before. There is other mm-hmm. things of like crossing water as representing like, I guess, death. And, you know, sometimes in occultism, death just means death just means a change and a rebirth into something else. It doesn't actually mean the end of something, you know, or could the complete right. end. It just means the end of something going into something new. Chaos and change. Transmutation. Yes. Chaos yeah, and transmutation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. OK, so uh, we were talking about Ishtar. Um, so in the Semitic, it was Ishtar. In the Northwest Semitic, it was Ashtaroth. In the Hellenized, it was Astarte. And that was of the, the Canaanites and the Phoenicians called her Astarte. And she was symbolized as justice, 
as the heavenly virgin, right? Um, and that's, I've been tracing just, these are the two terms that really got me into finding this thread was tracing ju- the idea of justice back as far as I could go and the idea of liberty back as far as I could go, right? Um, and uh, if we look on the capital of the dome in Washington, D.C., um, that is the goddess justice. And she has the 12 stars and she had, yeah, so Fuck. it's directly tying back to, and that, that dome itself is Isis's pregnant belly. Ah, oh, yeah, and then the Washington Monument. The monument is Osiris's yeah. phallus, and there on the go. spring equinox, it lays on that reflecting pool directly. I was up there like four days before the spring equinox, and it was almost there. Um, but nonetheless, once it lays across, and then you have in the dome, like we talked about, the apotheosis of George Washington. And, and in that uh, apotheosis, the pentagram that's laid out with the five different uh, figures that are in that painting, um, one of them is uh, in the trade, it's like trade in the new world. There's a figure in that painting with the red Phrygian hat, you know? Yeah, and isn't, okay, I'm not American, so I don't, mm. maybe I'm wrong, but, like, isn't Washington, D.C. right between Virginia and Maryland? Like, yes, Maryland and the Virgin. Maryland and Virginia. Yes, the Virgin. Come yeah. on. That's right where, yes. where the 100%, obelisk is. 100%. Come on, guys. Yeah, yeah, and and the fact that, you know, you had Yo, the that's 13 wild. Wow. Um, colonies with D.C., yeah, being outside of the 13 colonies, and still it's not a state. Still, its own it's it's its own country, just like Vatican. City. Like the Vatican, just yeah. like the city of London. You know, the banking, you know, the religion, and the military units. And the yeah, and the Vatican yeah. has the obelisk and Saint Peter's Saint Peter's Square, and yep, then the dome the right in front of it. Yes. Oh yes. shit! Well, you know, you know what I was. All carry, so we can see this this philosophy moving into modern times, right? Um, and so. Now, with uh, Ishtar, Ashtaroth, Astarte, Ashtaroth. right? Um, she was symbolized as the pentagram itself, right? Mm. So when you when you look at the morning and evening star being Venus, right? Yeah. That dance that it does, the cosmic dance it does with the Earth, it creates the the five pa- uh, flat, petaled flower. So it creates the five pointed star essentially, right? And I think it takes eight years for it to make that pattern. If you follow it in the night sky every night, right? Um, so let's see. That's very interesting. Um, and <laughs> in in the texts in um, Ugurit, um, she was worshipped as a transsexual, right? Just as Inanna was, and Inanna is one of the oldest trans figures we see. And it was said that she would go to um, the bar room, right, and basically hang out in a associate with everyone and she would transmute herself through the course of the night from female to male to female to male right and this has to do with the venus itself and being the morning and the evening star right and um let's see so as the evening star she was astarte and she was the war god right and then as the morning star, she was Atar. And that Atar was the, the goddess of sexuality and fertility, which reminds me of Atari. Yeah, Atari computer. That's exactly what I My thought. My fake of when idea at 18, the girl was Atara. 
Tara. Nice, nice. Um, and, nice. and we would see the Israelites, you know, um, after they would be worshiping um, Astarte or Atara as the queen of heaven, you know. Um, so when you get into the queen of heaven and the 12 stars um, being the zodiac, and then so now also when you look at Venus spinning around the earth, right, that creates the microcosmic pentagram, right? And when you get into the story of Sophia, and the the queen of the heavens that's actually the macrocosmic pentagram and when you look at um the mayan calendar or when you look at like the the symbol of the lutheran rose um or you can just you see it throughout but it's always a five um a five petaled flower essentially and and this you know goes into all these different cultures but that is essentially the five ages of the turning of the zodiacal calendar before you return back to the beginning so you have the macrocosmic and the microcosmic and these two energies relating to each other um, being the turning of the ages to the goddess venus being the morning and yeah. evening star, yo. essentially, you know, being that Luciferic pump. I got to say something know? about this when you done this. Yeah, funny. go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, like, well, yesterday, there's two things, and I, I hope to God I, I can remember both of them because I am slightly stoned now. Uh, <laughs> yesterday, uh, when I when we had on the Hush Hush people, we were talking about, um, you know, the Scarlet Whore and the different aspects of her, and you were mentioning ISIS before. Isis mm. is also associated sitting on her throne when it comes to Binah in the in the Kabbalah, which would be Saturn. Mm. But then she is also for the moon, which is right. the uh, you know giving yes. birth, giving. So so I could see how like what you're saying, the dome, and then the other thing being together, showing Isis is yep. that Isis yep. is shown as being like the mother or giving birth yep. of the new Aeon also. Right. In a sense. And, and and Isis herself is mother mystery, right? So and the hidden god of the mystery system is Saturn. So that that totally, you know, accords with what you were just saying yeah. in regard to the tree of life. And then and, you know? and then what you were saying here with the uh, the pentagram and and Venus. This is hmm. When you have when you look at the tree of life, um this is for people that don't, you know, maybe know too well, I'm sure you and even Teresa, you probably even might know this already. Um, you have the white pillar, which would be taught technically male or projective, or, you know, energy. Mm-hmm. And then the left pillar is supposed to be feminine or receptive or negative mm-hmm. energy. And the right pillar is positive energy, blah, blah, blah. Um, the, on the left pillar, which would be considered feminine, uh, Gabora is where the pentagram, the fifth sphere is where the pentagram shows up as a symbol now if you're thinking uh, technically all right now that's a symbol for the feminine side but then directly across right it connects to venus which now is a feminine figure on the male side side. which Mm. now is you know like i said uh venus or netzach or hathor or you know some aphrodite or somebody like that Right. And that is still associated with passion. And if you think about it, passion with Gabora would be to the extent of warfare. Now yeah. it is just, you know, it's very weird how these two are connecting and you're bringing it up in like a, in the morning and the evening. Yes. Star. Yeah. In a different way. Yeah. yeah. Very weird. And, and that is, uh, you know, the essential root function 
of magic itself and her being the pentagram you know it's and and then the fact you go back to the egyptian and how essentially you would ride the pen you take the man and turn him on his head so the man is on so now you're getting into sex magic where you essentially have put the man on the pentagram and turn him on his head and he becomes the crocodile dragon and oh. so it's that idea of and then when you come back and again like how we were talking about Osiris, and through the course of the day, he took on different uh, different symbolic elements. When he was uh, Atun, um, being being the autumn, or right before he slipped into the underworld, um, I think that directly relates with the name of Tammuz, because it's Tam. Tam is what the name was. Um, so. Osiris becomes Tam right before he dies and goes into the underworld. And then we see later Nimrod or young Nin being called Tam or Tammuz. So again, we, we see the same, you know, and, and it's just interesting, you know, the more information you take in, the more you start to link these, these, and, and at a certain point you just, you be, it, but you have to be careful because some things are, um, you know, uh, not directly related, but you can directly relate them. Um, mm. it, there, it's like synchronous. It, it's just, yeah. Yeah. And I know, I know what you're saying. I think it was a little bit like what I was saying before. You can see a lot of crossovers, but then sometimes they think specific pantheons or ideas might've mm. had their own kind of like little tweak to it, to where certain right. things are different. and makes oh. that specific to tell right. you a little bit different of a story. Right. And, and sometimes it will also throw the symbol off, you know, and, and how we well and how we were talking about every symbol has seven meanings and every one of those has seven meanings. I could definitely and, see that. and, you know, and it's just, uh, yeah. Yeah. And the deeper you dig into it, the more it just, it begins to cohesively, you know, you see it as one system, yeah. you know, and and I think that that when we get into the next episode and we we get into Abraham and the rise of Abraham and the birth of Jacob and Esau, and we start to see a lot of these storylines where you'll have twin brothers, and one of them will be inherently good, and one will be inherently evil, and you know, and and that gets into the red thread as well. Um, because when these, uh, in the ancient times, when these twins were born, right. Um, they, and it's funny cause you get into like Goebbels and, and, you know, the Nazis and how he went to Argentina and made the whole town of twins. Um, and then you look back in time and whenever these God head figure, um, you know, were born, the, it, it, a lot of times it was a twin birth. You know, so essentially what they would do was, um, and, and there's lots of stories of the fighting inside of the womb and different angels coming and, and fighting for those different entities in the astral realm. And it's, it's some pretty cool stuff. But, uh, when, when they would fight to get out of the womb, one of them, like their foot would slide out accidentally or their arm would slide out accidentally. And when that would happen, they would put the red thread on that that appendage right that's interesting so that signified which one was born first 
Or like the stronger of the two or something? Well, no, it was more a matter of which one came from the First. water of the abyss in, in the goddess form of the eternal womb and entered into matter itself. You know, it's, you know, so the first one to touch matter, they would throw that red breast, they would throw that red thread on it, which gets into the study of Kabbalah. Yeah. Which is essentially, go ahead. I was, I was going to say, and I was going to get into the Kabbalah with the red thread and shit like this. We, I think we spoke spoke about this, I think on the Skull at Horse series when we were trying to show, Mm -hmm. I guess like they're crossing over or heading that way on a, on the left-hand side of the tree, I think it's from Hode to Gaborah. Uh, the chariot card, I think, falls on there. And um, that's where Gemini is associated with that. And that would be the twins. Mm. And sometimes twins. and sometimes on the chariot card, yeah. you will see, like, two different, um, almost twin-like, uh, animal-like type things next to the chariot. Mm-hmm. Besides, you know, the horses. Mm-hmm. Like, they almost look like, I forgot what it was. Almost like a bird-type looking thing. I forgot what it is. But, like, mm-hmm. I think, like, and now you're talking about the red thread. That is the tarot card that connects you to the red sphere of Gabor. Mm. I we even got into it to where if you watch the Matrix, that whole fight scene yep. with those two fucking pale dudes, is that whole yes. ch- is the whole chariot card showing you Neo moving up the fucking tree of life. Yeah, that's all that and, was. And they immediately go and get and the, it's the car chase on the freeway with the twins. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah chariot the motor, twins car chase. Yeah. and yeah. then the, what happens? And they yeah. end up in that that one house where all it is is like weapons on the wall and different weapons. types. Now, Gabor yeah. is associated with warfare. I was like, yo, what the fuck? They are literally yeah. showing you the tree of life. Wow, following the tree of life. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, it's yeah and then it, it made me think of like Romulus and Ramus, the Roman twins. Yeah, and yeah. also apparently Hercules had a twin. Yeah, in some stories of, right, about right. him. Yeah. Um. Yeah, mm-hmm. Romulus and Remus. I was digging into them just the other day, and it's interesting. Well, and and the temple priestess um, was actually called Alupa, right? Which a means wolf. a wolf, right? Mm-hmm. So Romulus and Remus oh. were raised by a wolf. Yes. You know. So when yeah. you and so and and when you get into uh, Latin and Latunus and Rome itself, right? Um, at a certain point, um, when the Tower of Babel falls, right, the elder Nimrod essentially flees. And this is at the same time that, uh, that uh, um, Ishtar has her head cut off, and she becomes Juno, right? And mm. I was just reading the Ennead by, um, um, who is it? Homer? No, not Homer. Uh, <laughs> Virgil by Virgil. Oh, Virgil, yeah. Yeah, and um, I was going through that, and at one point, all of a sudden, you know, at the end of the war, of Troy, Juno pops up with all her troops to set up the new society, and um, and Latin or Latinus is there, who is essentially Saturn, who is essentially Nimrod the Elder, right? And they're like, no, you can't settle here. They're like, go to Italy. You can settle in Italy. Straight up, it says it in, in the Ennead, right? And so, and then when you get into uh, to Latin or Lat, it means the hidden one, which mm. is the same as Saturn, the hidden god, who is the founder of the Latin, you know, um, uh, language. Yeah. And the city of, of Rome was the Saturnian city, yes. the city of seven hills, 
founded by Lat or Nimrod the Elder, the hidden one, the Saturn lying hidden, you know, and that, and then you follow that over and Washington, D.C. is also the Saturnian city. Um, it was initially set up in a six mile by six mile square. Um, and, and, you know, it's the, and, and the capital is on Capitol Hill, you know, just like the, the seven Hills. Yeah. We talked about that in the chat, actually. That's funny. You harped on the same thing. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So when, I don't know, you know, I, I hate to tie all these things too much in together, but it's 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 amazing city. It's set up in six by six square. It's, you know, it's just like all the, if you understand the symbols, if you know what the symbols are and have a good fundamental understanding of the symbols, like these, these stories reveal themselves. Yes. Yeah, it becomes very obvious after a while. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Almost to the point you start freaking yourself out. You know, totally. you, you, yeah. know you know, what's funny, Rob, if, <laughs> yeah. if you listen, I mean, I'm sure, I, I mean, I know you've listened to this show. I'm, I'm assuming you've listened to the hmm. rejects. I'm just guessing. I could be wrong, yeah, but yeah. I mean, like, what you just said right now is basically what our intro says. What we're trying yeah. to do is show you that there is stuff that you can look at, symbols, mm-hmm. stories, that will show you All exactly you. what the fuck is going on. You just have to see and know how to read it. And once you Interpret. see it, once you see yeah. it, you'll start seeing it yourself. You don't need to fucking hear us Everywhere. tell you. You'll start seeing yeah. it and knowing it on your own. Yes. And, and what yes. you just said right there is exactly and, uh, what we're trying to do. And even though, like you said, you're bringing a lot of shit to the table, but, but to, seriously, that's what you're trying mm-hmm. to do. You're trying to show that there is a, there's a, like almost a exactly. system to this shit to really tell you what's going on. Yeah. Well, yeah. and myself as an artist, you know, I mean, yeah. I use the symbols myself. Yeah, of course. I, I've know, looked I at your shit. I know. I looked at your stuff and I was like, this guy is understanding. He knows what's going on. Yeah, yeah, but it's, it's, and, and I think honestly, you know, um, when you get into symbolism and you start looking at the idea of genetic memory, um, and, and I think that these inherent, um, symbols that span, you know, um, millennia, um, have been such a part of what the human physiology is that, that even without people knowing what these symbols mean, that when they see them, they get an inherent feeling yes. that they don't necessarily understand. Absolutely. Because the waters yeah. of the chaos, yeah. they are so deep that, that you may never rise again. You know, it's uh, it's, yeah. but, but it's a lifelong learning process and, you know, you have to learn balance and you have to learn like you you have to like uh, never believe anything, but take it all as true simultaneously. You know, it's and, and that whole philosophy of of never coming to a fundamental um, agreement, I think, is what allows the individual to continue to learn, you know. And I read Robert Anton Wilson a lot, and he goes into that a lot with uh, the idea of thought tunnels. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever read Robert Anton Wilson, but no, he's, no. he wrote uh, um, the uh, – he well, they like the Illuminatus Trilogy and the Cosmic Trigger, and he's behind the uh, Principa Discordia. I don't know if you've ever that heard of that. That sounds yeah, Malcles the Younger. It's it's basically a more modern um, chaos text where he the goddess is discord, 
And basically, you know, all hell chaos is what the whole thing is. But back to Discord, you know, she was the one, she had the, the, the blue apples from Hercules back to Nimrod, right? And she rolled the apples into the goddesses um, that determined which goddess was mo- the most beautiful, right? And it was Venus, back to Venus again, who, <laughs> who basically got the apple. And was determined to be the most beautiful, right? And it was at Mm. that point that they married her off to Nimrod, who was this cannibal that that Zeus released from the underworld so that he could come and basically craft and manufacture the weapons of the gods. Yo, that's the same story as in Greek, the Greek pantheon. Yes, Um, yeah. For sure, for sure. Yo, yeah, you know, and then I also, too, at the start of the War of Troy, I yep. believe um, Paris has to judge a beauty contest of the goddesses, and he picks Aphrodite. Yes. Who yeah. is Venus? Yes. That is, that is Same stories. Yeah. Yeah, just different tellings. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. And that was so crazy because I had just gone through all this stuff on, on Juno, and as far as how, you know, um, Nimrod uh, had his head cut off, and then uh, – she basically became Juno and ended up in the Greek pantheon. And it was just funny that in the Ennead by, by uh, Virgil, um, as I'm reading it, all of a sudden Juno's, you know, pops up with all her war and they're like setting up a new civilization. And it's just like, it's like, this is what I'm talking about. This is exactly the story of bringing the mythos from one culture and incorporating it into another culture. You know, yeah. so the more even that I'm in in reading and getting into the stuff, the more I'm seeing it. You know, that's and wild. I think that that goes right up to the modern personifications that we see these places with obelisks and domes. And then back to Sitchin, man, he said the obelisk and the dome, and uh, he said that was related to the uh, the space. You know, flying into the as far as the rocket centers, you know, mm. yeah. So, well, I mean, if you can and think and of... if you look at that whole idea, well, you could look at that instead of looking at it as rockets. Maybe you look at it like the the uh, crystal skulls of you know um, Spielberg in the fact that it's not outer space; it's dimensional. And then you get, you fall right into Lamb and Crowley and all these channeled books and all this miscellaneous. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. So oh, you know, you, you mentioned before, and uh, it just reminded me of uh, again the Kabbalah, and even even a, a part of uh, WandaVision that we I think we kind of touched on yeah. again with the Scarlet Whore thing. Uh, you mentioned that you said uh, rolling blue apples, right? And then uh, Venus mm. picked it up. If on the right side of the tree. You have uh, yep. chess head, which is blue, and then the next sphere down on that side would be Venus. Um, mm. There's even a part now in in uh, WandaVision where mm-hmm. uh, Wanda, the Scarlet Witch, in my opinion, the Scarlet Whore, uh, she yeah. is pregnant now. Now, she is married to Vision, who is a robot. Uh, it's impossible he did yeah. not bang her up. You know, he did not. That's not twins. His, you know. And Wanda um, is pregnant, and one of her friends comes by, and it's a uh, it's a woman who has on a blue polka dotted dress, and yep. she uh, I think hands her uh, one of them I think hands off 
one of them picks up a bowl of fruit. I think it might have been the witch, the Scarlet Witch, and asks mm. her, like, you know, do you want something? I think she's trying to show the fact that she's pregnant because her stomach mm. has, like, you know, blown up within days. You know what I'm saying? So it's just yeah. like, how did you all of a sudden become this pregnant? So she's trying to hide it. And her friend picks yeah. an apple out of all the fruit that is in that basket. She picks the apple. Right. And then eventually she says something and realizes she's pregnant. And the Scarlet Witch, like, does some shit and kicks her out of this dome that is surrounding the her. the Yes. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. yo, that was like literally like, did I just watch some weird Kabbalistic Garden of Eden fucking scene mm -hmm. right there? I, I I was thinking the same kind of thing when I saw She's that. wearing yeah, a blue yeah, yeah. polka dotted dress. She engaged, fucking gets handed an apple and then kicked out of the dome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very wow. weird. It's it's pretty weird. wild, man. Because you know, the more I dig into these mythologies, man, you know, and I've I've been reading different cultural mythologies probably since I was about oh sixteen or seventeen, and I'm fifty now. You know, so it's, it's been a life and just, it's, I don't know. I just think it's, uh, I love the stories. And then yes, at man. a certain point I started getting into the symbolism because early on as an artist was like, I just like to paint. And then at a certain point you start to like study the masters and you start to see they're using, you know, uh, they're using Fibonacci structures. They're using you almost see like certain a, symbols a theme using behind the, Yes, a lot of the yes. same people stuff, and and um, you know, and I studied Dante for a good long time, and and got into illuminated manuscripts, and took a bunch of classes on that, and then you start to see how even how they make the books has symbolic elements, you know, depending on the type of book it's for, they would use lamb skin or goat skin, and in certain biblical texts, they would literally um, take unborn lamb. And use and in certain other texts they would take unborn goat and use that skin for the books, you know. And as far as the pages to write on, not the binding. This is before paper, you know. So they were using like leather as paper, you know. And and then you oh, yeah, follow yeah. that up and you get into uh, yeah, you get into a lot of uh, later books in the in medieval times, and they started to bind books in like actual human skin, you know. Yeah, it's going back to the idea of. of What's so that? It's even suggested, like, uh, I mean, I've used parchment paper a few times. I just wasn't a fan of it because it isn't yep. that sturdy. But uh, when it comes to, like, making talismans, mm. even suggested in ceremonial magic, I mean, if you could use, like, parchment paper or lamb mm. or some kind of, like, lamb parchment, I think it is, where it's, like, it's technically you're actually writing on yeah. lamb, part lambskin. That is actually, like, very, you know, right. suggested to use if you want to make a talisman in ceremonial yeah. magic. So oh, and something. what I also find <laughs> interesting is, yeah, yeah. When you get into the idea of black magic versus white magic, um, a lot of what black magic consists of is based around the ideas of the church, you know, and they have to be, like basically get like, you know, a, a linen priestly garment for the rituals. And it's better if it's worn by an actual priest or bishop, you know, um, one of the highest, uh, um, like forms of, 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 uh, totems or, or essential things you can get to perform black magic is the grease from a church bell, you know? Oh. So a, a, a lot of times when you start looking at this stuff, I think that 
that you can't have the black magic or the black church without the white church, much like Twin Peaks and how there's the black lodge and the white lodge. I think they require each other to function. You know what I'm saying? Different ends of the spectrum. Yeah. 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 Again. Yeah. 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 So, you know, you can like a lot of people like I, I, I actually enjoy when the Latter-day Saints or, or, you know, show up at my door. I love talking to them. (laughs) And, and so it was, uh, this must've been about 2010 or 2011. It was before 2012. Right. And a couple LDS showed up at my door and it was an older lady and a younger daughter, a younger girl. Right. And, and basically the old lady was into it and the younger girl was kind of like, um, you know, being initiated into it basically. And, um, you know, they're talking to me and I've got all, I'm just like spilling all this stuff about the Bible. And, um, and the young girls like, well, what do you think about this whole 2012 thing? And I was like, oh, you have your Bible. I said, open your Bible up to revelations 2012. (laughs) And it's the weighing of the souls at the end times judgment, you know? And I was like, so, (laughs) you know, (laughs) oh yeah. Yeah. And, and the older lady, she started talking and she was like, she was like, you've studied so much that the devil has entered you. Like, and she's like, we have to leave. And she like took the if girl. If you know too much, it must be the devil. Oh shit. Yeah. 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 Don't you love so, that shit? How they use that? If you know too much, it's the devil. For... Yeah. Yeah. If I, if you know too much, you've, you've just, you know, yeah. But they stopped it, coming for five or six years and yeah, they, they came back a couple years ago. So but yeah, nice. yeah, that's funny. It's interesting, man. Did you have anything yeah. uh, else that you but wanted to cover time, or uh, are you good now? Because I know you did mention the next episode, so I thought maybe um, you might be done. Not that I was trying to kick yeah. you off. It's just, I know you mentioned I mean, it twice. Talked- so I thought you might've been like kind of done with what you had for today. I think we talked about all the stuff that I have notes for. So Sounds good. Not Sounds in the good. order that I, they were in, but I thought that I was, gotta- I loved it. Thank you. <laughs> That was a fucking killer episode, yeah, in my opinion. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I really had. <laughs> and a good I tried time. to cover a bunch of stuff that nobody, you know. I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and and I hear a lot of the same um, conversations going on. So I'm trying to bring something, thank something you. new, you know. Thank you, thank you. No, yeah. I, I totally understand. Yeah. You're so knowledgeable. Holy yeah. man! No, for it's, real. It's what I love to do, you know. Yeah. Um. You know. But you know next what time, be... what we can talk about is. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, like, you know, oh, I was going to say we can talk go, about. Go, um, go, go. You go, you go. <laughs> okay. But we can talk about the birth of Abraham and, and Terah, his father, which is where terror comes from. And we can kind of get into the evolution of uh, the Hebrew line and how the skin of Nimrod um, comes into the hands of Jacob and Esau. And, and, you know, is, is part of uh, the beginnings of the 12 tribes of Israel. Nice, yeah. nice. And, I, and I think, yeah. I think what happens that. at that point um, is it essentially goes from more of the black lodge and, and they bring it into the white lodge. And then depending on, you know, when you get into the Babylonian Talmud versus the Talmud and you start looking at, you know, the Pharisees and, you know, a lot of that stuff, you start to see a schism, you know, um, and, and it was a constant problem of, of these, uh, the Israelites 
or the as they were called the warriors of God, um, that they would constantly turn back and worship, you know, the queen of heaven, um, that golden, that golden bull, you know, golden calf. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the one, th- let's get into one more thing right. before, cause we were talking about the lab, the leopards. Oh, yeah. No, I talked about the spots, so we're good. Oh, okay. We're good. All right. That's it. All right, so yeah, I have. Uh, I think I do have your links already. You know the ones that you sent me before. I think I already have those in the show notes already. So um, if anybody wants to go check out his stuff, mm-hmm. I think it's actually in there. I think I did put it in there, even though I had him plug it earlier. I'm almost positive it's in there. So definitely go check out his stuff, uh, Rob. I can't thank you enough for coming on. It's it was a, I, for me it was an amazing fucking episode. I enjoyed it. You really. You nailed it on the head. You want to bring different stuff. You hear a lot of the same shit going on on a lot of shows and just circulating. I'm, yeah. That's what I want to try to do is bring a different angle to it and just new stuff. And that's exactly what right. you did. I right. thank you very much for your time. You know? Well, and that's that's the whole revelation. That's the, the revealing of the knowledge. Like we're here to like educate each other on what this Babylon system is. You know, yes. and and because if we don't have a fundamental understanding of where this system comes from that we're currently participating in, mm-hmm. it's hard to understand why it acts the way it does. Yeah, and why it's important, why yeah. it matters. Yes. Yeah, thank yeah. you very much. And uh, so cool, perfectly man. said. And I think we'll just we'll just leave it there. Uh, yeah, his his show notes are in the bottom. Uh, Teresa, thank you again very much for jumping on and joining me. Uh, amazing co-host again. Uh, thank you thank very you. much. Her uh, link is in the <laughs> bottom as well. And uh, that is the end of another NY Patriot episode. And uh, I'm sure within a few weeks we will have him on again to finish this up. And thank you again so much, Rob. And uh, until the next one. Oh, and thank you everybody sure. in the chat. Thank you everybody who jumped in, all the comments Listen. and everybody. Thank you. I'm on Discord now. Yeah, that's right. He is. A, that's you know. I meant to mention that before too. Rob does have a Discord, and Helen even yeah. said in the chat it's actually a v- really good Discord. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if I have a link yeah. of that of of yours. If you want, I can include one. If you are okay with advertising it, he does have a good Discord. So I would suggest checking yeah. it out. Well, so. anybody that's in Discord on 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 on, can, on, on ours, yeah, okay, yeah. Anybody who's in tour, you I yeah. guess you can yeah. you can see uh, you can get a hold of him. You can go see. Yeah. Him. So, uh, yeah, so definitely check it out if you're a uh, tour Discord member. And uh, yeah, that is the end of another NY Patriot episode. Thank you very much. And until the next one, everybody be well. Later.